The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network. Hey, this is the King of Bros, and you're listening to the Rough House Podcast. They're a couple of pussies, but they're not that bad. The opinions expressed in the Rough House Podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the WWE, Lucha Underground, Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, GFW, are they even still a thing? MCW Pro Wrestling, CZW, Nads Flappy Sack, Marvel Studios, Kellogg's, Frisky's Cat Food, Ted Turner, Jameson Irish Whiskey, Fruit of the Loom, Hershey's, Samsung, Amblin Entertainment, Groundskeeper Willie, or the cast and crew of The Walking Dead. Since the dawn of mankind, those in professional wrestling have turned to the Pro Wrestling Podcast to gain insight into how to do their jobs, how to create angles, develop new characters, and create fiery feuds with which to capture an audience's attention. What better group of individuals than basement dwellers on internet purchased microphones to guide the hand of a multi-million dollar industry? We're proud to present one such podcast courtesy of the Realm Network here at the Rough House where black people and white people watch wrestling and expanding people too and all people. We'll do the thing. Yeah, we'll do we're, we're thing. doing the thing. We're doing the thing. The yeah. thing is being done. Yeah, there, there's no longer that like weird three second delay. Hi, everybody. Hey, guys. Welcome to a uh, jam packed uh, house of rough here yes. on the pod. The pod of not so awesomeness. <laughs> the house of rough, by the way, is my favorite spinoff of Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> Our sigil is Jordan Grace in the uh, Steiner, <laughs> in the Steiner chainmail. Yes, yes, uh, a thousand percent. Yes, um, man, we are literally in the middle of one of the craziest weekends of professional wrestling. Like this is this is WrestleMania <sighs> weekend level ridiculousness. So much wrestling. So much going on. Uh, most of it in Toronto, although there's a good three, four days of action in Japan, which uh, yeah. is going to get even more ridiculous probably by the time you hear this. Um, as always, we're recording on a Sunday morning. We are through the A block and B block finals of the G1, which, of yep. course, for those of you who don't give a shit about that Japanese wrestling, uh, we'll talk about that at the end of the show. Um but man, uh, Ring of Honor had their big summer show up in Toronto. It wasn't a pay-per-view. It was a, a, a Honor Club exclusive because they still got... Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought it was a pay-per-view. No, 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 no. Uh, that'll be Death Before Dishonor in Las Vegas, of which, from what I saw online last week, uh, there are... <laughs> About a dozen seats sold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not a great sign for Ring of Honor right now. No, um, no. ROH I know we keep a bit harping of a on Ring of Honor's woes and whether or not it's Matt Taven's fault. I don't. I wouldn't say it's Matt Taven's fault directly. No. However, the choice to have Matt Taven be your champion certainly isn't helping the situation. No, no. Matt Taven is a symptom of a greater illness with, within yeah. Ring of Honor. And to be fair, I don't know what direction, if I were to point a finger, what to, to point it in. Is it is it the booking, which is frankly 
kind of boring and uninspired so that would be the fault of delirious and or bully ray yeah. uh is it the fact that sinclair doesn't necessarily want to open up the pocketbook more because let's be honest this time last year they had pretty much the entire aew roster under retainer right and, and that's that's the yeah. thing i think the fault lies in the elite <laughs> yeah you yeah. know because uh, they were the group of guys keeping ring of honor afloat for a couple of years and not even just afloat they were making them very successful yes. um and making money and selling out arenas and setting records for attendance and merch and all those sorts of things um and then once they uh finished their contracts and you know the thing with tony khan became a um uh, something that was real and then they jumped ship and started their own thing that left ring of honor with a huge vacancy at the top of the card yeah. uh, um, which they, you know, Jay Lethal, a perfectly steady hand to carry it, and he did for a little bit. Uh, and then, you know, Matt Taven came along at Madison Square Garden of all fucking places and uh, and, and won the title. You know, it, it's interesting. I think you can really kind of point a finger to the current, uh, if I'm honest, flaccid state of Ring of Honor uh, right at the Madison Square Garden show. There they yes. were. The biggest show in the history of the company. Uh, yes, you could sit there and say, well, New Japan sold that show. Or, well, the Elite sold that show because tickets went on sale when Cody, right. the Bucks, and uh, Omega were aligned with Ring of Honor. Sure. Um, fact is, they had 15,000 people in a packed building. They could have really sort of grasped the American wrestling fan in that moment. And instead we got the return of the beautiful people. We got a weird shoot angle with Enzo and Cass. And we got, right. uh, we got an extended segment with bully Ray and we had Matt Taven winning the title over Jay lethal, that steady hand and Marty squirrel, the most over ring of honor guy in that building. Yeah. Yeah, it, and, and you know, sh sure, the writing was on the wall with Marty Skrull. He had signed his Ring of Honor contract before, you know, AEW was a, a real thing. So right. I can't, I can't blame him for that. Um, but you know, and I get the Ring of Honor office's idea that you don't want to put the strap on the guy who's most likely leaving once his next year's contract is up. But if you want to try and run with some momentum for the company, at least for you know a couple months until you can build somebody else up to take his place, it made zero sense to not have Marty Skrull win the title. Absolutely. I mean, the, the fact is, uh, I, I believe he's there through November. Also, yeah. you could have had seven months of him on top, being yeah. one of the hottest stars on the indie scene, and then he can put over a guy on the way out. Maybe right. that would have been a Matt Taven. Maybe that could have been any number of guys. Uh, look at who they have on the roster. A, a Bandito, a PCO, a, a Brody King. A Roosh. A Alex Shelley. Uh, yeah. More on Shelley in a minute. Uh, just you have all of these names that could have been made, but instead it's a guy who has full-on go-away heat. Like, I... I I know everybody likes to, to talk about, uh, especially fans of wrestling in the 90s and early 2000s, about X-Pac heat. Matt Taven heat is just another level of complete indifference. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't know who is a fan of that guy. I don't know if there's anyone who's like, oh, he's such a great heel. I don't think anyone gives a shit. Like, it is apathy. Do you think he and Baron Corbin like had a had a text exchange with each other? It's like, why don't they like us, man? <laughs> well, at least people hate Baron Corbin. Like, I I 
disliked Baron Corbin on my television. I don't even bother to have Matt Taven on my television. <laughs> that's <laughs> like, true. That's like, true. That's where I'm yeah. at. And, and, and it's particularly frustrating after the results of, you know, this big summer showdown show they did at Toronto. They had, in my eyes, probably one of the first instances of, oh, we could get some of that momentum back. They brought back Alex Shelley, who is a yeah. name for the glory days of Ring of Honor. Yeah. And, you know, he, he was doing these really compelling promos and really compelling press interviews. I'm not sure if you saw any of them, but he talked about how mm-hmm. during his time away from professional wrestling while he was uh, because he left wrestling to finish his um his schooling because he's uh, a physical therapist okay um he got divorced he was living out of his car he was just struggling to make ends meet and he said you know and he said this in promos and he said this in a lot of the press stuff for this summer supercard show i'm just like the fans i like the wrestlers they like i drink the beer they like i listen to the music there they like like it felt like there was this sort of homegrown hero thing they could have done with him but instead, he gets lost to Taven because they want to run Taven versus Roosh at uh, Death Before Dishonor. And it, well, it just feels like a missed opportunity. I'm all for, you know, Roosh getting a, a title shot and hopefully getting the title, especially if the CMLL relationship is stable, if not written down somewhere and signed and notarized. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I mean, Shelly definitely seemed like a safe bet, uh, either as a transitional champ or just somebody to help get a little heat good heat back under back under the fed um you know and those promos seem you know built up for a big baby face victory but uh you know matt uh, i don't know i don't know matt here we go matt taven again uh you know he beat he beat jeff cobb uh, Mm -hmm. back in baltimore which you know i guess makes some sense if jeff cobb was going to have in uh a c plus showing in the g1 uh climax tournament in japan right 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 eating all those pins with your title i get that yeah um but maybe once cobb comes back from g1 and, and takes a week off to to rest his battered body uh maybe he gets thrown into something decent over there as well but yeah there's there are people there that are interesting and exciting and have great matches and matt taven is none of those things (laughs) yeah like that that was the appeal of ring of honor ring of honor was state-of-the-art unique interesting professional wrestling it was a place you saw for better or for worse it's where you saw the next generation of talent come up before Mm -hmm. they got scooped up by someone else that isn't ring of honor anymore ring of honor is just a company that's owned by sinclair and used to pad out programming time and every now and then they have unique fly-ins they have cmlo guys because this year the war of the world's tour is going to be with cmlo instead of new japan they have some talent of note but it's not the the super show it used to be. I mean, really, that's what PWG has turned into. That that that's where you go to see the guys on the cusp before they get signed. And right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we were talking, we were texting each other last night about you know we were watching Takeover and the Ring of Honor came up a couple times. Like how Mia Yim used to be a valet for Tommaso Ciampa with the yeah. Kingdom with Art with a uh, barrister R D Evans and Prince King Nana back in the day. And you think yeah. of like just that group of people champa yim rd evans who worked for wwe and then right. quit um and then like in that era you had steen slash owens mm-hmm. you had the bucks you had yeah. adam cole baby you had red dragon you had you had all these all these people that are now crushing it elsewhere right 
and it was one of those eras where you look back at the Du Burns era of Ring of Honor, and you're like, fuck, that was pretty awesome. Exactly, exactly. And even at the time, there were people kind of going, oh, well, it's not the Samoa Joe, CM Punk, Homicide, low-key era. Totally fine. I get that. Right. I don't think there's anyone who's going to look back and go, let me tell you, man, when Matt Taven and Shane Taylor were on top, that was the peak. Like, this is Who's like Shane Taylor. <laughs> Again, Keith Lee's Janetti. Uh, like, this feels like those weird, like, four years of SNL when uh, Lord Michaels left. And before uh, they got Eddie D- Murphy. Daryl Hammond was the only name you recognized. <laughs> right, 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 right. Like, just that that weird little period where Don Olermeyer was running the show and the show was on its deathbed. Like, yeah. if I'm Ring of Honor, I'm if I at all care about the health of my company, and I'll be honest, I don't know if they do. Because they're getting paid by Sinclair. They're going to continue to exist. Like, they, they will be Schrodinger's wrestling company, neither alive nor dead for a very long time. <laughs> I I don't know if there's this urge or want to do something bigger or better or brighter. I've never gotten that feeling from them. Because anytime a Joe Coff or I, I forget the guy at Sinclair who's basically above Joe Coff, but he did interviews around MSG. And he just was like, well, you know, we see ourselves as a place where people are before they get signed by WWE, before they get signed by New Japan, before they get signed by AEW. And it's like, the, why are you settling? Yeah, yeah. Are, are you're you're completely fine with being a stopgap solution for guys? Yeah that that's not a that's not a good business uh, plan there. Especially you know? when you promote yourselves as the greatest professional wrestling in the world or whatever their slogan is now. Yeah, that's it's. I mean, that's that's fake news. Uh, yeah, as we yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, to use <laughs> a term that Sinclair, they know it's Sinclair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Sinclair is very familiar with that. Um, but yeah, it's it's just uh, it's just a shame because it's something that you know you you've been following since day one. Yeah. You're an OG, and I jumped on in that Du Burns era when I had some great access, and you know was in a locker room with Rhino and the Briscoes, and right. you know. I got my chest kicked in by Roddy Strong and I gave Truth Martini a stunner in the middle of the ring. Like, you know, there were there was so much talent uh, there and now there is still talent there. And that's what makes it even worse is because, you know, there are people there who will eventually move on to AEW or New Japan or WWE and make, you know, some good money and, and have some great matches. But it's just not it's not the formula there right now to be conducive for that. I mean, I don't know that there is a greater personification of the current state of Ring of Honor than and this is 100 percent real. There was a spot during the Taven Alex Shelley match, which wasn't the main event. Right. Uh, it was semi main, uh, but a guy was passed out asleep in the front row. So Alex Shelley pulls off the guy's shoe and throws it at Matt Taven. Yeah. You are the ring of honor title match. And a spot is there's someone that is asleep. Let's fuck with him. Now is, is that a shoot or you think that was a work? It had I, to be I th- work, right? I, I think it was a shoot, and they just decided to run with it. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I've uh, almost fallen asleep during some Ring of Honor matches in attendance in, in, in the past as well. Right. And, you know, as we said, Matt Taven is uh, is snooze lord uh, yeah, 2K19. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, uh, you know, I, I wish them the best. I hope they figure something out. I do Absolutely. because you know it, it's it's a place. It's, one, it's another place for people to work, which is always good, and it gets people more experience and gives them chance to sell their gimmicks and work out their shit before moving on to bigger and better things. And if you know their business plan is to be believed, that they're not going to try and do anything more than that. So let them be, uh, you know, NXT's NXT. Let them yeah. be. Let them be double A ball. You know exactly. Uh, and and look. Uh, as as we often say, or I often say, when we're criticizing like WWE, uh, I I say the same here. This is not coming from a place of oh Ring of Honor sucks and I hate Ring of Honor. No, I don't hate Ring of Honor. I want it to be better, and yeah. it's just a bummer to see the current state of what it is versus what it could be. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll make the lateral turn. Speaking of NXT, onto NXT. Yeah. Uh, because last night was yet another takeover. I guess the 26th edition of NXT Takeover. This one, the second one in Toronto, which I guess would be the third one outside of the U.S. Because uh, they had so. the U.K. one, right? They just did one out in the U.K., right? Uh, that was yes. when Balor yeah, did yeah. his uh, uh, Jack, Jack the Ripper, the Ripper. entrance. Yeah, yes. which was pretty cool back in the day. The, the chainsaw was a little much, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the hat. I, I dug the hat. Anyway, um, <laughs> there there was another takeover last night, yes. and I'm I'm seeing mixed reviews online this morning. We we were kind of you know like I said we were texting back and forth last night. Mm-hmm. This wasn't. It was you know it it was a really good. It was a good show. Yes. but it wasn't top tier takeover for me. Uh, I think it was on the way to being another great takeover. <laughs> And then one match lost the crowd, and I feel like the main event has left a weird taste in people's mouths. So let's let's just break into it from the top of the show, yeah. And and sort of go bit by bit here. So the show kicked off hot and huge with an NXT tag team title match with the Street Profits of Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins defending and defeating the undisputed era of Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. Uh, this was not on par with the existing Undisputed Era uh, type of tag match you'd expect. And I, I think the reason why is the Street Profits are a very different duo for them to go against. Right. Uh, we're used to seeing Undisputed Era go against teams like British Strong style, Roddy Strong and Pete Dunne, uh, Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch. Hard-hitting, impactful teams where they just basically beat the fuck out of each other. Yes. The Street Profits are more entertaining than, well, fuck-beating, if you will. Uh, (laughs) I will. (laughs) They're a fun, exciting, energetic team, but in turn, it resulted in a match that is not the typical hot-fire NXT takeover tag match that we're accustomed to. Right, and it was it was like the last couple minutes built into something really fun. Yeah, and then I, you know, I could have gone for another four to five minutes of that mm-hmm. uh, before the finish, but then you know it was like okay, yeah, they're heating up, they're heating up. Oh, there's a finish. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. That, that, there it is. And for me personally, it kind of deflated me a, just just a smidgen. One because I was expecting an undisputed era sweep um, right off the bat um, to think, you know, that this prophecy would be fulfilled, uh, you know, in yeah. eight months after it was made that the undisputed era will be draped in gold. Um, so then, you know, one that didn't happen Two, um, it, you know, like I said, it didn't it was it was in it was in third gear. And it yeah. just got into fourth gear, and then they just boom, crash and not crash into a brick wall, but hit the finish line. Exactly, uh, exactly. It just it just left a, like, oh, okay, yeah. We're, was, we're, we're so fun. used to uh to an NXT 
takeover tag team title match being this thing where the end of the match is near fall after near fall, right. crazy sequence after crazy sequence. It's like we got our sequence and then they were out. And Right. I mean, I guess they saved all the false finishes for the main event. <laughs> very, very true. Um, but, I mean, the Street Profits are such a fun tag team as, as again, we, we talked about last night. Uh, Montez Ford is, without a doubt, uh, such a great prospect of a future superstar. Not just on par with being like, oh, he'll be a top guy. I feel like he can be a transcendent star if he's given the opportunity. Yeah, I mean, you know, dude started pulling out the Rock's moveset and the crowd lost their fucking mind. Yeah. Uh, myself included. I was like, oh, fuck yeah, do this, Tez. Get yeah. it in there, man. Not, not <laughs> many people can do Rock cosplay and get away with it, let alone have it's the true. crowd losing their shit. And that, I don't think that was a moment of, oh, he's doing the thing we know. It was, holy fucking shit, he's got the balls to do this. And if he had hit that people's elbow, maybe he would have done it a bit better. Uh, you know, maybe the, I, w- I will say the uh, the rock bottom wasn't as good as uh, as the rocks, but you know maybe with a little more practice he'll get there. Um, but yeah, you know Montez Ford, super talented. Angelo Dawkins, good for you, man. You finally hitched your horse to the right ra- wagon and is getting hey, man, some. Uh... Dawkins looked better last night than he'd looked in a real long time. There used to be a period of time where you could call Angelo Dawkins the fifth post of a ring, but in this instance, <laughs> he actually. Felt like a full-fledged professional wrestler. So, well, yeah, you know, yeah, there you go. Raising tide rises all ships, right there. E- and, exactly. Yeah. You know, uh, Montez Ford has so much charisma; it just kind of by osmosis and you know, through the tag, <laughs> it just seeps into his body like a symbiote. It's almost like tag teams are designed to allow people to accentuate their positives and hide their negatives and therefore make better stars together than they would individually. Well, except for Montez Ford. Oh well, yeah, 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 I feel yeah. like he could be pretty great on his own. Oh yeah, uh, but yeah, it was it was it was a fun match, and you know, like like we said, you know, undisputed era, not winning the tag gold made me, you know, uh, adjust my predictions. Like, all right, so there's two more title matches with the UE. What's going to happen? Is Roddy going to win it, and then Cole loses it, or are they both going to win, and then something happens between them and Red Dragon, or I don't know what was going to happen. But you know, it got it got my brain working a little bit there. Uh, but then we moved on to match number two which was uh eo shirai and candice loray in the grudge match yeah which fucking ruled yes uh i i'm gonna say right now match of the night for me okay uh, possibly my favorite wwe match of the year okay yeah wow. Yeah, I, I recognize the the strength of saying that, and, and that's even with the Adam Cole trilogy or Adam Cole Johnny Gargano trilogy, and, and all of that. There was Kofi something and Brian, uh, Kofi and, and Brian. There was something about this match, and and I think we've talked about this before and talking about G one stuff. There's something about when a match surprises you with how good it is, right? That takes it to a next level for me. It's okay. not just about the idea. Like, I, I, I hoped Kofi and Brian was going to be good. I had a yeah. great feeling that Cole Gargano was going to be good. Both times happened. I didn't know how this was going to play out because we hadn't really seen unleashed Candice LeRae. We hadn't really seen the full capacity of Io Shirai. These two women went out. They had a fucking hate-filled brawl. Yeah. And it absolutely ruled i can't recall a women's match on nxt this good since like the the oscar era yeah for sure uh, and and this may even surpass some of those like i thought this match was incredible i loved it 
Yeah, no, it, it was it was it was really. I mean, and it came out hot. Candice, you know, uh, went to just attack EO, and then Candice ends up getting suplexed brutally onto the announce yes! table. Which, yes, ooh, that was that was something. Um, but then you know there was there was some innovative um, innovative offense there, and they beat they beat the shit out of each other, and that's you know our favorite kind of wrestling match yes. when 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 two people go out there and it's just a slugfest. Uh, it's yeah. a home run derby with fists, and, and, and they go out there, and it's great. And the way that that Io Shirai not only locked on the Koji clutch to the finish. But when she locked it on, she kept bending additional yeah. body parts to lock Candace more into like that was Zack Saber esque in, in yep. terms of its just complete dominance as a grappler. And uh, I I thought to this point I already loved Io Shirai as a heel. Next fucking level. Like this was so goddamn good. And and I know I'm probably gonna get shit in the comments for praising this match as hard as I did, but I was blown away. Evil, the evil confidence that EO um, just exudes is just, it's fascinating. Like, my eyes are drawn to her for yeah. m- multiple different reasons. Um, but it's just one of those things like, all right, this is an unleashed fucking maniac. It's yes. like, you know, yes. it's, I don't even know how, to, how else to describe it. She's like, I love uh heel promos especially with a woman when they just yell loudly in japanese it gives yes. me the weirdest boner and <laughs> I, I just I, I lean into it and i love it and then and in the package that they did for the video she's just cutting this promo and just just yelling in japanese and i'm like you can have this body io shirai uh please fight jordan grace for it first yes. but um but yeah it was it was it was it was really it was really damn good and you know the best women's match uh, in NXT, like you said, in, in, in quite some time. Definitely better than the the title match that happened later, but we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, and and uh, to cut back to that the the pre match promo, what's the line? Something like "There's not a, a human being on this planet yeah. that's greater than Io Shirai." Like, yeah. what a fucking great line! Oh my god, that takes no one's ready for Oscar and just like <laughs> explodes it to the nth degree, <laughs> which makes me harken back. And like during that match, I was thinking like, man. Remember how fucking awesome Oscar was? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was so great. And now, you know, so much is wrong yeah. <laughs> with her and her career. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm sure she's making great money and and having fun or whatever, and not we, risking. We can definitely you know, say the video game collection is getting better and better based off of her <laughs> social media. Yes, I can definitely. Uh, I definitely have been following that, and I'm sure Justin has as well. Yeah. Uh, um, but it makes me, you know, just excited for the possibility of Asuka and EO fighting at some point in the next year or two. Yeah. Uh, it just gets me all, all, all goosebumpy and, and excited. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the, once the pirate princesses or what are they called? The, uh, the Kabuki uh, M- Warriors. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Who, you know, earned a title shot, but it ended up being a four-way, and then they ended up not winning. Yep. Uh, after not being on TV for a month. Yes. So, you know, things are going great for the Kabuki Warriors right yes. now. Uh, so hopefully EO continues her hot heel streak. Um, you know, I, I guess this will be the end of the Candace thing, because, you know, unless she's just full-on stupid... It, kayfabe stupid like her husband and just keeps going back for more punishment and can never do it. I think there's a good chance of that. I have a feeling that runs in the Gargano <laughs> family. Um, okay. But hey, right after this, we had ourselves a hot angle as Matt Riddle came out and wanted to okay. throw down with Killian Dane. Uh, by the way, the moment where he 
after calling him out, he kicked off the sandals. Wow, that's a yeah. nice touch there. Uh, very much felt like an ECW angle where it was just about having these two guys fight, beat the shit out of each other. A bunch of extras got the fuck beat out of them, too. Yeah. And then there was the crazy table spot to, to tease you for the next, I guess, takeover. Uh, I, I don't know. So that's a long, because uh, that'll be, I guess, Survivor Series weekend, right? Yeah, yeah, War Games coming back at us, uh, Survivor Series weekend. Is that L.A. or is that... Uh, uh, I believe that's Los Angeles, yes. Yeah, Staples Center. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, you know, two months away, three months away. Yeah, three so months it's not, away, no, yeah. November. Yeah, November, so... Yeah, so that's a long time to carry that out. I feel like you have to blow it off maybe a full sale or... Depending on whatever yeah. happens, the first uh, the first live NXT show on Fox Sports One, which could happen, that we'll get into after we talk about the rest of the card. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I enjoyed the angle. Uh. You know, it didn't go on too long. Every. You know, both guys had a chance to uh, to look like shit kickers, and they both are. I mean, Killian yeah. Dane obviously physically uh, imposing, and Matt Riddle being a legit MMA um, superstar. You know, it's a it's a great matchup, and you know I love the extras getting beat up, especially that one guy who took the the table spot. So yes. so good for you, kid. Uh, get your rub. Hope you got an extra twenty bucks for that. Exactly, uh, <laughs> exactly. But uh, but that was a fun angle, and then we got into what I thought the match of the night was, which was the triple threat for the North American Championship: Velveteen Dream defending against Pete Dunne and Roddy Strong. And, and this this was this was my shit right here. This was real goddamn great because I just want to give credit where credit is due. Dream, Strong, Dunn, whoever agented this, congratulations. You proved you can have a triple threat match where you don't need the middle section to be guys asleep on the outside while these two guys work some segments, then yeah. swap a guy out as someone else takes a snap on the outside. This was just straight up action with three people at any given time. Yeah, and it was it was full bore ahead, man. They they pedal to the metal the whole way through with some really innovative spots. Yeah. Um, you know, the one the top rope spot with uh I guess Dunn or Roddy threw Olympic slam Dunn off the top rope, but Dunn was holding on to Dream's fingers and then they did the the big the big spot up there, mm-hmm. uh, which was mm-hmm. innovative. Roddy did a, a double strong hold, which those things are always silly, but it yeah. actually looked like super it was painful effective yeah <laughs> yeah i think by the time he started going low angle with it and he yeah. started getting uh a dun and dreams legs in their it's armpits yeah yeah uh it, it, it looked rough can we talk real quick about the weird entrance that uh that velveteen dream had i don't understand like okay so they're in Toronto. Fine. Yes. The the Raptors won the NBA championship. Okay. But so you have Raptors uh, dance crew, I guess, yeah, yeah. dressed it, up it, as Mounties, Mounties come out to the Mountie theme song. And my, my wife who was, who was watching was like, what the fuck is happening right now? My wife had a like, similar comment. <laughs> it's a, uh, don't, don't worry. I, I, all I said to her was, so this is going to be part of someone's intro who they want to be the most over face right. of the night. <laughs> yes, and, you know, uh, almost mission accomplished. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then they so they did the mounty thing. Then they tore off the mounty uniforms and then did full on break dance electric boogaloo sort of a dance off section, and then into Velveteen Dreams music. So it was 
it was weird. And something that made it even weirder, not just it being out of left field, but the fact that the show proper kicked off with a Slipknot song and this great video package. So you have fucking oh, Slipknot. Yeah, yeah. And then you you have <laughs> this fucking dance dance crew crush groove happening for Velveteen yeah, Dream, to the and it's just mafia, like there's yeah. so many things happening here. Yeah, it, it was very weird, and I'll be honest, that opening video thing was strange. I think it was strangest of all because they never actually like a lot of times when they show something like that on the Titan Tron with music playing, they show you know the people at home. Oh, here's the feed of the video. Right, the full screen version. Yes. Instead, it was yeah. just like, let's keep panning around the stage where yeah. no one's actually playing. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I guess uh, logistically, because uh, I was going back and forth with Buddha about this last night, and I, I, I figured Vince didn't want to drop the, the coin to get Slipknot to come in and perform. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, they were off that night, but then, you know, it's you're in, you have to go through customs and all that extra bullshit. So, yeah. you yeah. know, and I you get, never you know when, when one of the guys had Slipknot not has a jimmy uso happen to them and they aren't allowed in here's the thing the guys wear fucking masks <laughs> so fly over Corey taylor have yeah. him do the song live and a bunch of guys yeah. in a stupid clown mask pounding a keg <laughs> with a baseball just, bat just and you got fucking slipknot that's just throw <laughs> fucking keith lee and damian priest under right. masks they're yeah, not like, on the show the guitarist mick is yeah. a fucking monster and is about Damien Heath's uh, priest's height. Yeah. So there, you're good to go on that. Clown's Angel a big Garza guy. And, and fucking Bronson Reed just rocking right. out. <laughs> yeah. You know, fucking, fucking throw Swerve out there in a mask. I don't yeah, give a yeah, shit. Yeah, exactly. Just... <laughs> throw know? Jesse K in a mask out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm for it, you know? Did you know Slipknot had a black guy? I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? They wear masks. Yeah. They have black people in <laughs> Iowa? Whoa, this is weird. uh anyway um so dream has his he gets really the only well i guess me had a little bit of an entrance too but that wasn't really just uh, uneventful we'll we'll get there in a second because yeah yeah uh but uh dream (laughs) dream stole the pin to get the win uh he strong had it pretty much done but then he stole the uh stole the pin and, and got the finish and um yeah. You know, I, again, I, I liked that match a lot. I liked that it was nonstop action. I don't really know where they go with Dream from here, though. And, and, and I mean, based mm. off of spoilers for NXT this week, uh, the fact that uh, Jordan Miles won the contract, maybe they'll do Miles Dream, but that strikes me as something they'll just do on weekly TV. They'll blow off in, at full sale as opposed to make it a takeover thing. Who knows? I mean, it, you don't know uh, who else from the breakout tournament is going to get, um, you know, any kind of push, if anything. Uh, maybe it's a, a Damian Priest versus Dream thing coming up yeah. next because they seem pretty high on the former Punishment Martinez. Yeah. Uh, was it non-union Mexican equivalent? Uh, <laughs> oh, Baron Baron Corbin? Corbin, yes. <laughs> Senor Spielberg. Spielbergo. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> so maybe that's uh maybe that's the thing. I don't know when Dijakovic is uh due back from injury. That's true. That's true. Yeah. You got Keith Lee around as well. So it's this it's an overabundance of talent. It's just how, you know, uh, I'm wondering if there's going to be a purge coming up after yeah, SummerSlam. Yeah, hard to say because I also feel like, you know, if they are going with Fox Sports 1 live 
every week to counter-program AEW, as has not officially been announced, but is pretty much a given, uh, you're going to need more people on that roster. Uh, and and from what I've heard, <clears throat> that may mean we'll see more of the Brizango-esque revivals of people, possibly even the revival, uh, <laughs> on NXT. So it, it's going to be interesting because NXT is going to go from being developmental to literally being a third pillar of the WWE. And I guess I'm a little wary that we may see a shift in terms of the type of product the show is at that point. Yeah, we'll really, you know, to read in between your lines there is we're worried about Vince McMahon dipping his grubby hands into our uh, our beloved NXT. Exactly, exactly. Which to me would be the worst thing, because if you're trying to counter AEW, putting on right. shows like the one we saw last night, that's how you counter AEW. Correct. You, you go face to face with them on a pure wrestling product and nothing more, but... Uh, We'll see. Um, So the next match was really where the crowd got lost. And I can't point the finger at the two women that were in the ring. Uh, It was Mia Yim unsuccessfully going for the NXT women's title against the absolutely unstoppable Shayna Baszler. They did try to put Mia over big with that entrance, as you saw. Here's my problem with that entrance. It was a bunch of people who were there for her to come out and then fucking nothing. Yep. That was it. Yeah, like they were there at the entryway, and then she just walked to the ring normally. A couple fist bumps, and then that was it. Yeah. Yeah, it was It was kind of a, you know, it was as low rent as you can get. It was, it was like, I mean, all right, it, what, it, what are their talents back there? Put a bandana over their face and give them, a, give them a jacket and a hat. It was the issue with this match in a nutshell. You want to make Mia Yim <laughs> come off like a big thing, but you did none of the work to actually enable it. And I think that's why the crowd zoned out. When you look at the match that was actually happening in the ring, I thought it was pretty decent. They had some ugly moments. Mia Yim and uh, Shayna Baszler both yeah. bought some spots here and there. But Baszler's selling was out of this world. I True. really enjoyed the callbacks that Mia Yim did to a lot of the limb work that Baszler normally does, including demolishing her elbow yep. uh, in the spot that always makes me cringe and wonder how exactly they fake that in a David Blaine-esque level of is this street magic in the middle of a ring? I don't yeah. understand. <laughs> but the fact is the crowd didn't care. And I think it really boils down to the fact that Mia was not heated up enough on the way to take over. Yeah, her, it, was, her, it was a it was a an abbreviated push to get yes. her ready uh, for a title shot. And, you know, like you said, the work wasn't put in to get the crowd behind her. I mean, you know, anybody who's going up against Shaner, 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 hey, Shaner, hey, Shaner Baszler. Why don't you drop that title? Go up the main roster already, you little twat. Um, I don't know why I called her a twat. That was rude. I apologize. I'm actually a big Shayna Baszler fan. Um, but uh, <laughs> anybody who's going up against Baszler is going to get uh, some built-in support because people don't like Shayna Baszler. Uh, one, yeah. be, you know, for, well, she's a heel, so you're not supposed to like her. And two, she's held the title for what seems like fucking forever. Um, and, you know, every takeover we go, well, this is the time she's going to lose it. This is the time she's going to lose it. And every time we're fucking wrong. So, and again, it happened again last night. Uh, and, you know, to take it back to what we were talking about earlier with uh, with Alex Shelley and Matt Taven, Mia Yim seemed like a perfect, perfectly acceptable transitional champ to get the title off of Shayna Baszler and then to maybe lose it immediately to Io Shirai. So you don't have a heel Baszler versus heel Io Shirai program, right. which you think could still work. I, um, I, I do just because 
EO, I mean, it's kind of like, okay, so Shayna Baszler in a lot of ways is the Brock Lesnar they want Brock Lesnar to be. Right. EO strikes me as she is, Shayna is a heel. She's very, uh, she's a very strong heel, but she's a very strong heel in so much as she decimates her opponents in a brutal fashion. Right. EO is fucking crazy. Yeah, she's chaotic evil. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's what would separate the two. And I think yeah. that's that's what could make that match compelling if that's the direction they go in. At the same time, Dakota Kai is almost back from injury. Uh, oh, yeah. Tegan Knox is back from injury. These yep. are people who they could pull that trigger on in theory, but I don't know if they will in practice. Who knows? I mean, you know, and I thought that maybe Shayna would drop the title and go up to the main roster. Clearly, that's not uh, not the case. Uh, Candice definitely not getting a title shot anytime soon. And Bianca Belair already had a number of them. So, you know, we we, we shall see what does happen. But really, the only person ready right now for a title shot at this point is is EO. And, yeah. you know, it just goes to show how little heat they got under me am is throughout the course of this entire thing talking about the match we're talking about eo shirai and shana baszler right, so right. that goes to show you how much and i don't dislike me am i like her i think she's yeah. you know a good competitor and 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 you know everything uh you know i have no problems with her but it's just it didn't it didn't click and it didn't click last night and the crowd was fucking the quietest that i've ever heard a takeover cr- crowd maybe ever yeah uh, at one yeah. point in that match and it was it was noticeable yeah i think that the next closest quiet you can find is you have to go back to the old live at full sale ones when it was like bull dempsey versus somebody like it's That's true it's been a very long time since this felt so strange yeah um and it i think it actually kind of hurt the main event a little bit, which we'll go ahead and get into now. It was yeah. Adam Cole defending and, surprise, defeating Johnny Gargano in a two out of three falls. Not officially titled, but let's be honest, three stages of hell match right. for the NXT championship. Um, they kicked it off with the uh, Gargano chosen pure wrestling match, second fall. Cole. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that, that's what it was. Cole chose pure wrestling match. Second one was the uh, street fight. Uh, as chosen by Gargano, and then the third, as we were told just before showtime, uh, chosen by William Regal, it's going to be Plunder Cage, basically. Uh, <laughs> cage covered with barbed wire, with weapons strewn throughout. It's an Ambrose Asylum match. Yes, without Mitch. Um, R.I.P. Mitch. Uh, the, the thing that was most interesting, and uh, I, I think it paid off in spades, they had the cage covered in a black cloth. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So and they didn't play the promo that was played on TV to the live crowd. So they right. didn't know that the third fall was going to be a cage in a live crowd. So when they actually unveiled the third fall, which let's be honest, we all knew they were going to get to, right. people lost their fucking minds in Toronto, yeah. which was just mwah, excellent even, work there. And even Gargano and Cole sold it like they didn't know it was coming, but like, yeah, are you not giving that memo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did, didn't we you have the, it. didn't you look at the monitor from a weird three quarter angle and watch what uh, William uh, Regal was saying? Yeah. I anyway, don't know. Match kicks off. Johnny Gargano wearing his sweet uh, Logan gear. And yep. then uh, Adam Cole wearing uh, new shiny trunks. Um, gold, baby. Gold. Uh, yeah. I still don't. I still don't understand that. Champ, baby. I know. Champs but, wear gold, baby. Uh, uh, couldn't it be Adam Gold, baby? I mean, come on. Um, 
Bebe's kids. They don't die. <laughs> they multiply. <laughs> yes. Multiply. Uh, oh, <laughs> got to talk. Speaking about weird voices, we'll get there when we get to that third fall. Because uh, one of the greatest uh, Morrow calls of all time <laughs> happened in that uh, third fall. So first fall was a pure wrestling match. And it was really goddamn good. Uh yeah. Uh, on the whole, this match was not as good as the first two matches. It's definitely the lesser of the, the the three of the trilogy. But that first fall was really great. Both guys up there. showing that they scouted each other well. Just awesome sequences. Lots of kickouts, though. So if you're if you're a big like I don't like finisher kickouts type guy, uh, you will fucking hate this match. Well, you'll hate any Johnny Gargano match because that's, that's all the kid does. <laughs> That's fair. But I thought it was fun. It was exciting. It drew the crowd back into the mix of things. And then the finish continued two things that I absolutely loved, which is one, how much Gargano wants to destroy Adam Cole. But two, the kayfabe story that is Johnny Gargano's wrestling's beautiful idiot. Yeah, he's so stupid. He's, he's incredibly as, dumb. As a character, he's a big dum-dum. Yes. Like, he costs himself the first fall, yes. further stacking the odds against himself by having yes. to win two in a row. Whereas, you know, he could have – he had Cole down. He he could have just kept pouncing or put a submission on him or something like that. But no, the, the, the beautiful idiot, the big dummy of Johnny Gargano takes yes. the chair and just starts swinging away. Well, well, the thing that was so great was so he did the one he did the one chair shot, which got yeah. him DQ'd. And because he did the second fall of street fight, he just kept hitting him with a chair. Just kept beating the fuck out of him. Uh, Props to Beth Phoenix for trying to explain the logic here that Johnny Gargano is a natural underdog and he's used to pulling off these types of odds. So he figured, ah, what the hell, I'll I'll give myself one in the hole so I can continue this on. Um, But yeah, that first fall was probably my favorite of the three. Um, Then the second fall reminded me a lot of an Attitude Era main event brawl it was a lot of walking and punching and punching and walking uh, up until the big announcer table spots yeah there were a fair amount of props you know chairs and 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 uh guardrails and double axes through the crowd and and stuff like that to the full perimeter of the uh the thing and i love the the cross body through the barricade on the wrong side of the barricade yes yeah that was that was brutal and then they got to the table spot which was a beautiful like it was perfectly executed backdrop from one table to the other yes. couldn't couldn't have uh been performed any cleaner than it was yeah. it was it was it was perfect um and then um then they you know there was a whole bunch of shit thrown into the ring which they would need for later on which you know was a smart way to get all that stuff uh in there cuz they were going to be locked in a barbed wire covered fucking cage yes. um but uh but Cole, Cole uh did he he tapped him out uh Gargano topped out Cole yes oh yeah yeah that's what i meant yeah, yeah Gargano so like, tapped out Cole with the one with the Gargano escape when he had with the kendo stick too yes, right yes yes yeah 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 that's right so then uh, the third fall, they, they very smartly covered up the setup of the cage by showing replays of what had happened so far. Yes. Excellent work, truck monkeys. Yeah, yeah, very, yeah. very well done. Uh, and then we had the, the I don't know, 
Clockwork Orange House of Fun match. I don't know what, what we want to call this third floor. We had a bit of the ultraviolence. Yes. So this cage was the traditional WWE modern cage with the weird scaffolding at the top. The scaffolding had barbed wire wrapped around it mm-hmm. and slotted in the chain link fence and also into that scaffolding at the top were uh, a multitude of weapons. Kendo sticks. Um, a, a large ladder in one mm-hmm. corner. Sledgehammer. Uh, a sledgehammer. Uh, nod to Papa H there. Many um, chairs. Yes, uh, additional chairs. And what looked like it was a bag of thumbtacks. Yeah, uh, I was like, oh, I, I thought I saw, I, I, I spy with my little eye. Yeah. A bag of tacks. And I was like, all right, cool. We're going to do a tax spot in 2019. Yes. It was not a bag of tacks. <laughs> no, no. So they just go on, and, and, and I'm going to say this. Gar- neither nor, neither Gargano nor Cole need to work a match like that. The, no. this, the way this third fall went, um, I, I am not one to uh, sort of clutch my pearls at the level of violence that, that happens in matches. I mean, I'm a guy who has been to many a deathmatch show and, and all of that. This felt unnecessarily violent at points. Yeah. It, it got a little uncomfortable. Really, the one there was the one really sickening spot, and it wasn't planned. It, it kind of was a botched spot. Was the tornado DDT off the uh, off the second rope with Cole's head smashing fucking forehead first into the the upper back portion of a chair, which was absolutely fucking brutal and yeah. gross to watch. There was that the lawn dart into the chair into the corner. Yeah, uh, yeah. That one wasn't as bad for me, at least. And, and I think that one was at least a bit more planned, so Cole yes. was ready for the velocity of that. It just looked yeah. incredibly sick. By the way, Adam Cole's uh, shining wizard, well, I mean, his back was oh. fucked, but <laughs> yeah. Adam Cole's shining wizards, especially in that third fall, were the yeah. wildest fucking shining wizards I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, people have been doing that move ever since Muto threw it out there in the mid-2000s. I've never seen them look that violent before. So, so yeah, props the to last Cole. shot, I think he calls it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I thought they were stunning. <laughs> but one moment which I could not stop giggling about was uh, Mauro Ronaldo, as always, uh, providing unintentional humor uh, yes. on commentary. Ugh. Hyperbole hype. There was a Mauro moment Ronaldo. where he's talking about the violence in this third fall and his voice gives out at the end of his sentence and just like oh man gargano and cole just taking it to the limit inside this sinister structure (laughs) (laughs) yeah he really gets really breathy and just clinging on to the deepest portions of air inside his lung pockets. Uh, and it's it's pretty outstanding. God bless you, Mario Ronaldo. Yeah, I, I think I might need to change my text tone to him going, sinister direction. <laughs> he gets so into it, though, and I love him for it. He's so great. Uh, and Nigel, I think, you know, Nigel and Mario together are god tier announced team. Beth Phoenix. I don't know what she's, she's doing there. She's, she's, she's trying getting her best. Better. She's, she's getting better. She's trying. It's it's well. It's not a. It's the thing with Beth is everything seems put on. Nothing. Yeah, she yeah. doesn't speak naturally. No. Like she. It's like she's giving 
she's given bullet points that she has to fit into conversation and she's, you know, like acting one oh one trying to cram them into commentary yeah. from time to time. Yeah. That's that's what it comes across like. Whereas, you know, uh Mauro Ronaldo's been calling combat sports for thirty plus years and Nigel exactly. McGuinness is a world renowned uh former performer. Not to say that Beth isn't, but she's, you know, just not natural. Right, uh, right. in her voice and right. everything it, everything else it, it, it sounds like she's performing and i, I recognize <laughs> morrow does too but morrow's level of enthusiasm is so pure and real yes. yeah. uh that it, it it sort of supersedes the the ridiculousness of what's you know we have with the beth phoenix Agreed. um but the finish was one of the most ridiculous fucking things I've ever seen. So Gargano goes to get the bag of tax or so we thought. Yeah. He dumps everything out onto the mat and it wasn't tax. It was like tools. It was, well, I saw like three brass knuckles. Yeah. There were brass knuckles, (laughs) knuckles. wrench and uh, pliers (laughs) pliers. And I think there was like just a a hammer in there. It was, it was (laughs) ridiculously stupid. So, I wanted him to go full old boy and just like <laughs> yeah 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 just fucking tee off on Adam Cole's yeah. giant fucking head. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be giant if the rest of his body wasn't so tiny. I know, I know. Uh, Six foot tall, Adam Cole, huh? <laughs> hey. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so Johnny takes the pliers. He climbs up to one side of the cage and yeah. he cuts off a string of barbed wire. Sure. Then he, as he's doing that, Cole tries to climb up, I guess, to leave the cage, even though that's not the, the finish. Right. They, they announced that it's pinfall and submission only in the cage. I forget the name of the uh, NXT announcer, but props to whoever scripted her the incredibly dramatic line of, there is no escape from yeah. the cage. Like, yeah, that yeah, felt yeah. so incredibly cheesy and game showy. I loved it. Yeah. Um so Cole climbs up on this one corner, which <clears throat> basically has a table laid across it as like a scaffolding. Right. Secured into the cage, yes. thankfully. Yes. Beneath them are a ladder and two tables. Correct. Opened. Standing yes. tables. So Gargano climbs up via the ladder to chase Cole. And yep. Gargano takes the barbed wire, wraps it up in his hand, and he's going to try to punch Cole in the head with it. This, by the way, from the no longer Bloods and Guts WWE, because they're more sophisticated than that. Um, Gargano goes to punch him, and Cole basically just bodies Gargano. And in another finish that proves that Johnny Gargano is the biggest idiot of all time, they fall through the tables in the middle of the ring, hitting only one out of the two. Right, yeah. And Cole lands perfectly on top of Gargano. Well, he rolls over. Oh, he, did he, he roll, over? roll over? I yeah, thought he, he landed with his arm over. No, no, no. Um, he, they both kind of landed on their side slash back, but Cole had enough within him to roll over. Gotcha. Anyway, that's what happens. They get the three <laughs> count, and Adam Cole retains the NXT world title. It reminded me of the end of um, 
uh, fucking the last Harry Potter where where <laughs> Potter and Voldemort are up top like come on Tom let's finish this together and they just both dive yeah, <laughs> dive yeah, yeah, off yeah, yeah. except instead of you know uh, apparating through Hogwarts they just fall into a table and into the middle of the ring but uh, that's kind of what it reminded me as uh, of and you know it was it was pretty pretty appropriate it was apropos for dumb glorious stupid idiot Johnny Gargano to lose that way so uh, you know and then uh, it was a WWE.com exclusive on the uh, social media after the match, after TakeOver went off the air. He got himself a little curtain call. So looks like that might be it for Gargano and NXT. I mean, Regal came out, raised his hand. Candace came out and was crying with him. So it seemed yeah. like that could be it for, for Gargano. I don't know what that means for him. Sure seems like Johnny 205 is the, uh, is the way it may go. But, uh, you know, it remains to be seen. Yeah, Maybe he I, comes out and challenges Brock Lesnar tomorrow night. I don't know. <laughs> Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. Let's do that. Let's do that yeah. instead. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I don't really know where they're going to go from here. Uh, my heart of hearts really wants uh, Matt Riddle, Adam Cole. Yeah. Uh, but we've got a long way to get there because Cole's <laughs> got a program with Killian Dane. Or not, sorry, uh, Riddle has a program with Killian Dane, which is just heating up. Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll see. Uh just an FYI before we jump into the New Japan side of things, if you want our takes on SummerSlam, although granted by the time that you're hearing this, SummerSlam has probably already happened, uh, that's over on the Patreon. We're going to go match by match and hopefully not lose our minds trying to understand what the booking will be for SummerSlam this evening. At least there's fewer matches than last SummerSlam. So yes. we got that going yes. for us. They, nice. they burnt a few off on TV. Thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah uh, thanks, thanks, Paul. Yeah, so... Uh, New Japan talk time. So if you, oh boy, <clears throat> yeah, we've got one, two, three, four nights of uh, G one climax action. We're almost at an hour already, Chris. Yeah, I know. Um, well, there's a lot, lot to discuss, and four nights of G one. I mean, obviously, we can hit the highlights here. Um, but that was it was a lot with another night to come. Uh, Sunday night, Monday yeah, the, morning, the actual finals. The actual finals. So we had. Let's see. Uh, night 15, we'll just go through these pretty quickly, talk about some of the highlights. Night 15 was A-block action. Um, we had Lance Archer and Sonata, which was pretty good. Uh, Archer, you know, was really impressive this entire tournament. Uh, Fale going over fucking Tanahashi, which pissed me off, be- which is which is what it's supposed to do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, Kenta and Will Ospreay yeah. going at it and had a, a an outstanding match together. Yeah, and, and that one was really cool. Uh, and and props to uh, Uncle Dave for telling this story. Um, so Will Ospreay, the first time he saw professional wrestling, decided he wanted to be a pro wrestler. I'm not sure if the – I can't recall if this was covered on commentary too. Yeah, Kevin Kel- – yeah. or uh, Rocky, I think, mentioned it yeah. maybe. First time that uh, Ospreay saw professional wrestling was on the Wrestling Channel in the UK, and they were showing a Kenta match from Noah, and he decided, hey, I think I want to do this. Yeah. So really cool thing for Ospreay to get in the ring and mix it up with Kenta. And pick up the W, too. Yeah. Which was, I'm sure, you know, uh, a crowning achievement for him. Um, We had ZSJ versus Kota Ibushi, which was also fan-fucking-tastic. Always great. You know, ZSJ, he's so, he's like a fucking spider. He's so fluid and, you know... He's so smart transitioning from one uh, submission maneuver to to another. It's just really exciting to watch. And Kota Bushi, aside from being a gorgeous man beast, is also very good pr- as a pro wrestler. So uh, yes. a hell, hell of a good match. But really, I mean, you know, it, it, the the main event of that night 
which just goes to one of the, you know, I don't want to say that because that makes it seem like evil isn't a good worker, which he is. But Okada can pull out a four and a half, five star match with just about fucking anybody. Yeah, That's I could hop Okada in the ring is. right now and we yeah. get 4.5. <laughs> and evil, you know, evil's no slouch. No. And he had a, a hell of a match, like very aggressive sort of evil. And he had Okada on the ropes for a long portion of that yeah. match. Uh, and, hell, and hell of a match. The finish almost felt like evil was like a fucking Terminator. Like, okada just couldn't take him <laughs> yeah. down it was yeah it's true so rad so yeah. so rad so that was a uh, night 15 a block then uh the following night which i believe was thursday morning yes. uh for us b block we had taichi and yano fine sure whatever uh-huh. uh naito and jeff cobb was pretty good left a little you know yeah. i don't know i just feel like cobb hasn't really hit full speed ahead in the G1. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know what it is. Are you getting that as well? I, I'm getting that also. Uh, I will say uh, I'm interested to see what happens tonight. We'll talk about that in a minute mm-hmm. um, because there there's something pending that could be very interesting for Jeff Cobb. Okay. I'll, yes. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that once we get past uh, today's show. Gotcha. Then we had uh, John Moxley versus Hiroki Goto, which was a pretty good fight as well. Surprisingly short, but it was a knockdown yeah. dragout brawl. Uh, Moxley has proven that he can hang with the Ishis of the world, so how appropriate that he could tie up well with basically Ishii's favorite tackling dummy, Hiroki Goto. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it made me just kind of long for Shibata uh, being in the mix because I'd love to see Moxley and Shibata, but, you know, Shibata's brain is broken, so not going to yeah. happen. Uh, but <laughs> I, I enjoyed that a lot. Uh, I actually actually really like Jay White and Juice Robinson a lot on this night too. Yeah, that was that was a good one for you. That, that one I, I enjoyed as well. Um, I don't know. It, it, this wasn't the best Juice performance in the G1, um, but it's. I think the thing with Jay White matches that that keep it uh, a half star star down for me is all the fucking Gato shit uh, on the outside. The the distractions. I mean, I'm I. The distractions in New Japan are – it's either all or nothing with what they do with stuff like that. And, you know, you have your Tai Chi's and your uh, Jay White to always come out with somebody and always try and do the, the distraction with a, a second on the outside. And it just gets to be a little much in every match of theirs that mm-hmm. it's to the point where, okay, well, I know this guy is a good wrestler. Let him go in there and do it. But they're heels, so they don't. I mean I, it's a – I understand it, but it's also a little annoying yeah, at times for yeah. me. But hey, get out the stars, buddy, for that main event. Beef! (laughs) Beef for days! Yeah, I was very much looking forward to this from the beginning of the tournament. Shingo Uh, and Ishii, man, just beat the fuck out of each other. Uh, I'm I'm using another wonderful nickname I've gathered from the internet. Big Tom Ishii, man. That dude... (laughs) Big Tommy, she cannot be stopped. He, Should G- it be Tommy, Tommy Ishii? Uh, <laughs> he is just so goddamn good. He's it's so true. goddamn great. Uh, Shingo, I, I've followed Shingo literally since the inception of his career. I loved him in Dragon Gate, but seeing him in this mix, I, I recognize it might sound like a broken record when it comes to Shingo. Seeing him in this mix is wonderful. And uh, I, I got a chance to see him and Naito, which was yeah beautiful uh because if i remember right on the last episode i hadn't seen that yet it was Um, fantastic so great uh especially knowing their shared history of being trained by the same guy and and all that but uh shingo really has come into his own as a top tier guy if they 
aren't seriously considering bumping him up to heavyweight, I don't know what New Japan's doing because this tournament has been a full-on star-making venture for him. A hundred percent, and that's coming off of the battle, the best of the super juniors, which yes. was you know the initial star making performance. For yes, the guy. yes. So he's had you know him and Osprey both were the only two to do both tournaments, and both came out looking like a million bucks. Uh, the records maybe not reflective of such, but in their matches themselves, yeah. I think Shingo finished with a better record than Willie Osprey, if I'm yeah, not yeah, mistaken. Yeah. I, I believe um, you're correct. But Shingo Takagi is my new favorite my favorite new wrestler he's not new but to me you know the person that i've been exposed to in 2019 that is you know top tier for me is shingo takagi like you know i i if i'm watching a show and i'm you know selecting which matches i'm going to watch because i don't have a lot of time if shingo is one-on-one with somebody i'm picking that fucking match regardless of who he's against um so yeah his his match with uh with ishii was fantastic and that finished off uh b block on night 16 then on saturday morning friday night we yeah. had night 17 kick a block, off of the, the three a block finals stand at budokan hall which is a beautiful fucking arena yeah it re- i really like the way it's set up and they were hot man they were hot all yeah, night were. long uh the block action kicked off with lance archer and evil which was fucking really damn good yeah uh, lance archer is like i said has had a hell of a tournament is really impressive what he can do for a guy his size uh, yeah yeah i i would be totally fine with and i recognize it's on nido right now but if they want to give Archer a IC title reign or yeah. or a never open weight championship reign or something like that, I, I think that'd be a great sort of hey Gold Star, good on you. You really you really took the opportunity and ran with it type reward from New Japan. Grab the brass ring. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I, I if I'm going to use that terrible terminology, yes, yes, that's how I would uh, describe it here. Then we had Fale and Sonata. Uh, which your typical Fale match. Yep. It's just, just was fucking what it Fale. Was. But uh, how fucking rad was Zack Sabre and Kenta? It was really fucking good. I was yeah. super into that match. Yeah. Um, Zack Sabre going over. Uh, again, yeah. Again, a great showing by ZSJ. Uh, Kenta, I mean, still looking great in this tournament, still looking like he should be in the mix of top guys. But speaking of someone getting in the mix of the top guys, mm. holy shit, Will Ospreay pinned the ace he did and it was it was a fucking fantastic match too yeah those you know ace you know tanahashi has been trying to prove to both the crowd and himself that he can still do it and he's going out there and giving it everything bum knees uh and bum arm you know regardless of that and you know you're in there with will osprey who's had you know one of the best eight month runs of anybody in pro wrestling in the, in, in maybe any year. Yeah. Uh, and fuck that match was killer. So great counters, um, some hard hitting action and just, you know, what else is to be said about Will Ospreay or, or Tanahashi at this yeah. point? Yeah. Really incredible, incredible stuff. And then the main event, Holy shit. Kota Ibushi wins the A block by defeating Kazuchika Okada. Ah, uh, man. You know, I think the thing that harms this match, and, okay. and, and, and I recognize I, I might be pulling at strings here <clears throat> and, and picking nits, is the rest of the tournament happened around it. This was an incredible match, no doubt. This was right. a really, really great match. Both guys looked like fucking professional wrestling gods. However... 
I thought Okada had better matches in the tournament. I thought Ibushi had better matches in the tournament. So it's this it's this weird like subtraction by addition scenario because okay. we had these other things. Like it was really good. I loved it, but I liked Okada Osprey more. I liked Ibushi Osprey more. I liked Okada Sonata more. But fucking great, great work by both guys. If if you were seeing this in uh, a vacuum, vacuum. Yeah. And and you had just watched the finals. This is one of the greatest matches of the tournament, no doubt, and possibly one of the greatest matches you've ever seen. But everything else has happened around it where I'm like, I don't know hmm. where it sits. It's and it's tough because they have been a lot of uh, you know, top tier five star matches, you know, in the tournament. But for me, I, I kind of come from the opposite standpoint because of what was at stake in the match. Fair. I think it elevated it a little bit Fair. because you knew that whoever won that match won the block and was going to the finals because Okada would have given him the record. Uh, and if Ibushi won, which he did, he uh, they had the same record, but he had the tiebreaker because he beat Okada. So knowing, you know, that the winner would go on to the finals, added that extra level of anticipation. And I mostly, I well, I, it was kind of spoiled for me online because I am a dumbass and check Twitter in the yeah. morning. Um, but had I been watching it live, I feel like it really would have even been even more uh, amazing than it already was. Right, right. And uh, I have not seen a minute of this, <laughs> but I, I did hear about uh, the surprise in yeah. the finals. Uh, let's talk about where we're heading for this G1 Climax final as we had the last night of B-Block action earlier this morning, our time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so go ahead, Chris. Well, Yano and Cobb kicked it off. I overslept and was trying to watch what I could before we started recording. <laughs> yeah. So I skipped Yano and Cobb, and I skipped Taichi and Ishii. Um, I'm assuming uh, Cobb won. I didn't see the results. Cobb just... won and Taichi won. I know Taichi won because I yeah. saw the, the, the finishing thing there, which is kind of a shock, too, to go over Ishii. But uh, the first match I did watch was the rematch, Juice and Mox. So this was you know a rematch of Moxley's first New Japan match back mm-hmm. in dominion where he won the united states title off of juice robinson and uh it was it was it was good it was really good it wasn't like you know it wasn't top tier you know uh of the tournament um but you know moxley worked over juice's leg for the majority of the match mm-hmm. and uh surprise or i guess not surprise juice gets his uh win back and pins moxley moxley came out what five and oh and yeah, then finished and five then, and four. He had a yeah. four. He had a four match skid at the end there. Um, and it's you kind of think of that, and there, he wasn't the only person to have uh, a tournament like that because uh, what Naito, Jay White, mm-hmm. NZSJ all started zero for three or something, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then won a Ibushi as well. Yeah, um, came out uh, you know not looking great, but then racked up a whole bunch of wins at the end there. Um, so Mox at that point with Moxley losing. Losing made him not that did that eliminate him or yeah kept him in the running or for a tiebreaker something something goofy like that but it 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 doesn't really matter Uh, what I think this (laughs) this does say is though Juice is getting a U.S. title shot real real soon yeah 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 yeah. I mean could they do it as soon as uh, uh, the well, no, that doesn't work. It could be part of the Destruction Tour, which is the next yeah, big tour after that's this. that's the next big tour. So after that, we had uh, Goto and Shingo. And yeah. like I said, never skipping a Shingo match. And this was another reason why. It was it was, it was was akin to uh, Shingo and Ishii 
because you know the, the reasons you explained earlier it was fucking dope um so definitely go out of your way to check out uh shingo and goto but takagi uh goes over hiroki goto yep so at this point with juice beating mox and shingo beating goto it was another situation in the b block finals where the winner of naito and jay white would win the block yeah. because of g1 math and yeah. too much to explain and everything like that but uh so then we had naito versus jay white and Spoiler shocker of all shockers, fucking switchblade. Uh, yeah. Uh, knife pervert goes over Destino, uh, Tranquilo Destino. And, you know, our Ibushi Naito dreams were vanquished by the fucking Kiwi Crusher. Yeah. I uh, cannot say I expect. I mean, there's part of me that knew Jay White is the top Gaijin star yeah. in New Japan. He's, the, he's definitely the biggest heel. Uh, sure. And 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 we've talked about it before. He's not a heel in the way that like a Shingo or an Ido is. He's a heel and everyone fucking hates this dude. Yeah. Uh, I am definitely surprised that Jay White is in the final because it's going to be Jay White and Abushi tonight at uh, Brucon Hall, 2 a.m. Eastern uh, on Monday. If, if someone wanted to stay up past SummerSlam and watch all of that and, you know, have their faith in professional wrestling proven again. But, um, <laughs> I'm just going to say it. I think Jay White's going to win the whole thing. You think so? By, I mean, it, it makes the most sense, right? Yeah. I mean, a, Abushi beat Okada so he can get a title shot at any time now. Right. And Okada, Jay White have had this, you know, back and forth feud this year. Um, and last year, it, you know, they keep go- coming and going towards and against each other. O- Okada is basically, you know, King God. So therefore, uh, Jay White is basically the devil always at his back. And I I definitely would not be surprised to see Jay White and his really, really weird beard win the tournament. <laughs> the beard works for him, though. It is oh, yeah, weird. absolutely. Absolutely. But it no, definitely the, works for the, him. The facial hair is a significant improvement. And I think the fact that uh, Wrestle Kingdom, which is where this will happen, right? Yes. yes. Okay. So I think the fact that Wrestle Kingdom is a two-night deal leads itself a little more to it being Jay White Mm -hmm. uh, because that frees up Ibushi to do whatever uh, happens in the next couple months leading into Wrestle Kingdom. You made a a curious note to me yesterday that one Kenneth Omega is in Japan this weekend. Yes, he is. He and uh, uh, not Kenny, Michael Nakazawa uh, were Kenny Kenny Nakazawa. Uh, Kenny Omega and Michael Nakazawa were spotted at a start show on friday uh and uh, the thought process there is well that can make sense uh kenny might be going over there to talk you know the joshi uh, division in aew also uh riho and b Priestley were on the show and they're already in aew nakazawa of course being translator for kenny that sort of thing i i could see that explanation but this weekend of all weekends for Kenny Omega to be in Japan feels a little <clears throat> fishy. And the G1 final is always an angle-filled Builder. show. Yeah, 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 the, yeah. Uh, You know, this is this is where Shibata came back and shocked the world. Uh, this is where I would not be surprised, although we keep saying it for, uh, you know, for big shows, I would not be surprised to see a Hiromu pop up and plan something for the fall. Maybe um, Jericho. Jericho absolutely could pop up. Who the hell knows? 
And the thing that I said that's kind of an X factor, uh, Tamatanga w- popped up on Twitter in the wee hours of the morning this morning and said, uh, just made a deal for a new member of the Bullet Club, and he is a superb athlete. So I'm wondering, are we going to see Jeff Cobb pop up in the Bullet Club oh. by the end of this show? I thought he was just, I thought if he said super athletes, I yeah. was like, fuck yeah, Rusev in the Bullet Club. That'd be great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but okay, Jeff Cobb in the BC could make uh, could make something uh, of him. Definitely yeah, give him and Ring of some Honor could sell there. Bullet Club shirts again, so that helps everybody, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, fucking Tamatanga and Tangaloa were the Ring of Honor tag champs for a couple months, so they yeah. could have done it then as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, definitely definitely curious to see what kind of angles do come out of this because if if omega does come back it does make an appearance at uh, at budokan you know we never did really get the ibushi kenny omega big blow off feud sort yeah. of thing and they said that you know i think i remember a quote at one point saying that if they ever did it it had to be on the biggest stage sort of thing and it would have to happen at wrestle kingdom so yeah. if we're going to start a build to something five months away then this seems like a really good chance oh, yeah. to start building something there and you know kenny coming back to the states and do aew will give uh, ibushi some time to to do some other things in the meantime but that looming threat of his former golden lover uh over his you know looking over his shoulder um you know maybe from a different position than normal this time <laughs> uh hey now uh, uh so yeah it's 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 getting me really excited for the show that i'll have to watch in my hotel room on monday once i get to <laughs> kingsport tennessee ah kingsport tennessee what are they That's known right. for chris what's that what are they known for they, uh, uh they have a waffle house Let's let's see what uh, the the fine <laughs> folks at Wikipedia can tell me about Kingsport, Tennessee. It's uh, northeast Tennessee. Population uh, of fifty two thousand. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Not far from History. Bristol. Uh, it was originally known as Salt Lake. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, apparently, some regional fast food chain called Powell's Sudden Service. Okay, I'll Started check that there. out. I'm always looking for local uh, cuisines. Oh, uh, back in 1916, Kingsport residents demanded the death of a circus elephant named Mary as she killed a city hotel worker <laughs> who was okay. hired by the circus the day before as an assistant elephant trainer. It wasn't It wasn't a Holiday Inn Express, because I don't want to have to fight a fucking elephant <laughs> to get to my hotel room. <laughs> Come sliding down like Prince Ali on that shit. Let's go, motherfucker. They held... Oh, my God. They held a public execution of the elephant. Okay. All right. Is is there a uh, memorial? I I hope there's a gigantic bronze-hanging elephant. If there is, I'm finding it, and I'm taking a photo with it to the roughhouse. Oh, my God. Okay. Oh, my God. Otherwise, I'll see you at the Waffle House, brother. (laughs) Yeah, that's right, brother. Getting them smothered, covered all over, brother, just like Kota Bushi. Yeah. <laughs> the Roughhouse Podcast is a weekly podcast. Follow us at Roughhouse SGW on Twitter and Facebook.com slash the Roughhouse Podcast. Become a donor to the Roughhouse at patreon.com slash the Roughhouse Podcast. And check out our videos at youtube.com backslash channel backslash capital U C E G J two one 
N, lowercase w, capital G, lowercase k, capital P, M, lowercase l, capital D, N, 7, lowercase c, 3, lowercase r, lowercase f, U, V, Q. This is the, the Rough House, Rough House uh, podcast with Justin and Christoph. That's it. Fuck Christoph. He's terrible with his information. Okay. Hey, this is The Rock. Shut your mouth, jabronis, and listen up, because this is the Rough House podcast with Justin and my least favorite man on the planet, Christoph. And Marty? The preceding presentation was brought to you by The Realm Network. Do you have the lifelong desire to be a professional wrestler, but none of the ability? Does your physique scream, beat up instantly? Does your wrestling dream involve being crushed nightly by your wrestling idols? And you've come to the right place. Hi, I'm North Carolina's own Tex Orleans, and I run the Jobber Placement Agency. If losing is what you desire, then you're in luck. Losing is our business, and business is good. We'll teach you how to be as bland as possible, how to mount zero offense, and the long-lost art of already being in the ring. If you act now, we'll throw in 10 of our signature in-ring body poses, including peace sign, the I'm number one sign, and just simply raising your fists over your head. With the Job Replacement Agency, you will find work losing on a continual basis with the regional promotion, or my name is not North Carolina's own, Tex Orleans.